We introduce Ben Cross as he comes up and brings the word this morning. Thank you, Mark. You. Glad you're here, bro. Glad you're here. Actually, it's been 15 years <laughs> since I've had the privilege of being in this pulpit. What a joy it is to be retired and for Mary and me to return home. I, I really hope when we left to go to Eugene, the ducks started dominating the Huskies. And so I'm whole, and I got to talk a lot of smack with my son-in-laws. Yeah. But now that I'm back here, I'm hoping that the things turn around so I can start talking smack to the duck fans down in Eugene. Isn't that right? Yeah. Well, in a moment, I'll share the uh, Father's Day message. But first, as Becca shared earlier, uh, today is also Juneteenth commemorating the June 19, 1865 announcement that slavery was abolished in Texas and more generally throughout the Southern Confederacy. But Juneteenth is a, somewhat of a bittersweet celebration because this announcement in 1865 was a full two years after the Emancipation Proclamation in 1863. Just one of many broken promises and grievous injustices that African Americans would endure for yet another century before the civil rights movement in 1960s. So to our black brothers and sisters, as well as to every other ethnicity that is represented here today, you are loved and you are valued as joint heirs in the grace of life and image bearers of the living God. And the color you bring, the color you bring to this place with your ethnic and cultural diversity is an expression of God's creative genius and glory. You make this place a little more like heaven. And for that, we praise God for you this Juneteenth. 2022. Great to have you here. Well, let's pray and ask for God's uh, wisdom as we look at his word. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who has been given to teach us, to comfort us, to guide us into all truth. We pray for his ministry to have freedom in our hearts now. In Jesus' name, amen. As I grow older, it troubles me how I can remember some things so clearly and forget others so easily. I can remember events that took place 30 years ago like they happened yesterday, and yet in a moment's notice, I can forget the name of a good friend. It's absolutely crazy. Some memories you never forget, you'll tell them to your great-grandchildren. Others disappear without a trace. But one thing very few people ever forget is how they feel about their father. Your father is an unforgettable figure in your life. He simply cannot be ignored. The way God designed men and the family ensures this. In fact, the memories we carry around in our hearts about our fathers influence the decisions we make throughout the course of our lives. Long after we leave home, our dad's voice stays with us. Psychologists refer to the tapes that we play in our minds of words recorded there that we heard from our father while growing up. 
Before we look at how a father can make an unforgettably good impact on their children by recording good messages on their internal tapes, I want to say a word to those of you who are hearing destructive tapes from your father. Maybe you've been away from home for years. Maybe you're grieving today that your father's no longer alive. And yet his voice still plays on in your heart. Tragically, it may be hurtful words like, you're stupid, you can't do anything right, you'll never amount to anything, you're lazy, you're clumsy, you're fat, you're a selfish little brat, you're more trouble than you're worth. See, some of us here today play tapes like that in our minds. And unless these negative messages are acknowledged and dealt with and remastered, they can wreak havoc in your life as you play them consciously and subconsciously in your mind every day. Because shame is a very powerful emotion. Young children really have no effective way of dealing with that kind of turbocharged feeling. And so most of the time, the hurt that comes from being called dumb or useless gets stuffed down deep inside of them, where it churns around and causes a lot of confusion and anger and maybe even despair. And again, those feelings must be acknowledged. They have to come out. They must be processed so that you can move on in life. And ideally, they need to be expressed to your father. But if that's not possible, we need to find a trusted friend or counselor. And they'll be able to help us and give us the best shot at moving on in a healthy way in our life and in our relationships. Now, we're going to return to this a bit later, but first let's answer the question, how can a father ensure his impact is unforgettably positive on his children? And the answer to that question applies equally to good grandfathers and great-grandfathers, good mothers and, and grandmothers, good aunts and uncles, or to any mentor or teacher or spiritual leader. So this Father's Day message is really for everyone who is somehow responsible for the care and keeping of others. But I think it's especially relevant to dads because as we learn in the opening chapters of the Bible, in Genesis 2, in the creation account, God handmade men to be leaders, to be initiators of love, not only in the care and keeping of the earth, but in the care and keeping of their loved ones. Men, you hold a very special and unique place in God's plan for this creation. God specially designed men to have an unforgettable impact. And ever since Genesis chapter 3 and humanity's fall in sin, that impact can be unforgettably positive or it can be unforgettably negative. Now, to have an unforgettably positive impact on our children, whether biological children or spiritual, there are a few key phrases we can say to them that will play in their minds for the rest of their lives. And these key phrases will make for great messages, wonderful memories, easy listening tapes that will serve our children for as long as they live. And these phrases, if we mean them and we back them up with action, can make us unforgettable parents, unforgettable mentors, the good kind. And the great thing is we don't have to guess at what a good father says to his children. We see the perfect model 
for father talk in the relationship between God the Father and his son, Jesus Christ. For example, what was the first phrase the father expressed publicly to Jesus? Remember, it was at his baptism. Jesus was about 30 years old. And we read in Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, these words. And a voice from heaven said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Now, I'm sure what the father said publicly that day was not the first time he shared that with Jesus privately. We know from Luke's gospel that by the time Jesus was 12 years old, he already enjoyed an intimate close relationship with his father in heaven. So phrase number one from the father's example, I love you and I'm pleased with you. See, as you read through the gospels, one thing is absolutely clear. Jesus enjoyed a settled sense of the father's love for him. His life basked in the security and reality of that love. I mean, can you imagine how immeasurably powerful that was for Jesus as he went through his life and his work, especially on difficult days, to hear this tape in his mind. My father loves me, and he is pleased with me. Then we read in John 3, chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse 35, the father loves the son, Jesus says, and has placed everything in his hands. Phrase number two, I trust you. The Father's love for Jesus was expressed in the form of trust. The Father loved Jesus and entrusted him with the incredible responsibility of providing salvation for the entire world. Then John chapter 5, verse 20, Jesus says, For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he does. So phrase three, I include you and I share my insights with you. The Father's love for Jesus was expressed in sharing with Jesus what the Father was doing in the world. The Father did not keep his activities hidden from Jesus. He revealed to Jesus as a man what was on his heart, and he let Jesus in on the Father's action. Then John chapter 10, verses 17 and 18. The reason my Father loves me is that I laid down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own, of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and the authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. Now, at first, we may be taken aback by what appears to be uh, conditional love, to read that the reason the Father loves the Son is because of his performance, that he's going to lay down his life. But actually, Jesus is not referring here to the cause of, of the Father's love for him, but rather the goal of his love. This word reason, the reason the Father loves me, that word reason is better translated purpose here. In other words, the Father's love for his Son had a specific purpose, a purpose directly related to Jesus' life mission. The Father immersed his son's life in love in order to empower him to accomplish what he sent his son into this world to accomplish, to be a sacrifice for sins and the savior of the world. And so phrase four is, I empower you. Knowing the pain and opposition that Jesus would face, the father's purposeful love for his son prepared him to face the challenges of life and death he would face in this world. We read in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, let 
us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, however you interpret the phrase, the joy that was set before him, the joy set before Jesus, in the final analysis, the joy that empowered Jesus to endure the suffering, to accomplish his life's mission, was the ever-present awareness of the Father's love for him. It wasn't merely the foreknowledge of his resurrection or the accomplishment of redemption or even the inheritance Jesus would receive because of his obedience. All of that was possible and had meaning only because of the love Jesus knew from the Father. That was the joy set before him. See, shame and insecurity are what make us feel Defeated when we're rejected. Jesus was rejected by his own countrymen. He was abandoned by his closest friends. And shame and self-doubt could have overwhelmed him. But the Bible says that he scorned the shame of personal rejection. He did not allow peer pressure or the fickle opinion shape uh, his identity or his self-esteem because Jesus had inside of his heart a much lo- a louder tape that was being played from the voice of his father's love. That was the ultimate joy set before him. And because of that, he was able to endure the cross and despise its shame. As a man, it was Jesus' assurance of his Father's love that gave him the love to suffer on our behalf and the hope to endure through it. You see, it's easy for us to forget that Jesus' courage was not some kind of automatic thing. I mean, after all, he was God, so when things got tough, he just played his God card and just kind of magically went through the motions but really didn't feel what we feel when we're threatened. But that is an egregiously unbiblical view of Christ's humanity. Jesus is not only eternal deity. He is, now and forever, fully human. And while on earth... He temporarily emptied himself of the use of his divine attributes. Jesus grew up as a normal human being, yet without sin. See, even though Jesus is fully God, as fully man, he grew in wisdom and stature, the Bible says. The Bible says he learned obedience. Being fully human, Jesus went through all the normal developmental stages of human maturation and temptation. He felt the emotions we feel in life. And that's what the Bible means when it affirms in Hebrews 4.15 that Jesus was tempted in every way that we are tempted. And yet, amazingly, without sin. So seeing how the Father's love for Jesus sustained him as a man... And how that expression of love gave Jesus some very important tapes to play in his heart as he grew up as a fully human boy and faced the challenges of life as a fully human adult. We see the strategic importance of an earthly father doing the same in the life of his children. Dad, you are irreplaceably important. You are the most beautiful and awesome person imaginable. You are a father created after the image of your heavenly father. No other human role carries the strategic importance 
that an earthly father carries. And we must not waste that nor neglect that grace in our lives. And the model of the heavenly father's love in Jesus' life, I think, becomes all the more relevant to us when we see how Jesus actually passed on to his children, spiritual children, what he first received from the father. The phrases that Jesus shared with his disciples are virtually identical to those that the Father had shared first with him. That is an epic insight. Think of that. And yet, unlike Jesus, these guys were all-time screw-ups, rebuke-worthy on several occasions in their walk with the Lord Jesus. John 15, 9, Jesus says to his disciples, as the Father has loved me, So I have loved you. In other words, I love you. And I'm pleased with you. John 20, 21, also chapter 17, verse 18. Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. In other words, I trust you. John 15, 15. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business and said, I've called you friends. For everything that I've learned from my father, I have made known to you. In other words, I include you and share my insights with you. Matthew 28, 18 to 20, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you as the Father commanded to Jesus. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In other words, I empower you. And in fact, later in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus explicitly promises us that we will be empowered by the Holy Spirit as he sends us to bear witness of him to our neighbors and to the very ends of the earth. And so we have the example of the Father in heaven with his Son on earth. We have the example of his Son on earth to his disciples. And we can express these same phrases to our children, whether biological or spiritual in order to make an unforgettable, positive impact on their hearts. See, they need these messages recorded in their internal, internal tapes because in a profound way that will shape the decisions they will make throughout their entire lives, the actions they take, and the people that they will become. So let's think about this. First, I love you. And I'm pleased with you. See, one of the most shaming things a father can communicate to his children is that they're more troubled than they're worth. Children need to know, in spite of all their flaws, that they are loved with a love that exceeds all expectations, a love that makes them feel treasured, not tolerated. Dads, I don't care if your children are four or 24 or 44, they need to know that you have an inexplicable irrational kind of love for them. If they don't feel that, there's an uneasy sense of absence in their life. There's a sense that they missed something in their growing up years. There's a, there's a sense they got ripped off. And a lot of times, kids can't put all that together, but there's an uneasiness that caused them a lot of confusion as adults. 
And expressing love to our children is much more than just saying those three magical words, I love you, which saying that is enormously important just in itself. You see, one of the most challenging parts of fatherhood is finding creative and convincing ways of communicating irrational love to each one of our kids with their unique needs and temperaments throughout their development. Expressing love to our daughters is much different than expressing love to our sons. And how we express that at age five is much different than we do at age 10, 15, and 20. That's why instilling in our children a sense of being loved is a full-time job requiring great ingenuity. Again, it's one of the greatest challenges in life, but the payoff of that effort is recording tapes in their self-talk that will play throughout the course of their lives, easy listening tapes that will comfort their spirits like a warm blanket on cold nights and put a smile in their soul in the face of life's ugly scowls. Now, having said that, I need to add a sidelight here, and that's the vital importance of loving discipline. Expressing inexplicable, inexplicable, irrational love to our children also means confronting their bad attitudes and behavior. If it's true, as Hebrews 5, 8 says, that Jesus, who was sinless, by the way, learned obedience through that which he suffered, can you imagine how valuable costly discipline is to us in whom sin has touched every aspect of our being? In fact, in Romans 1, where the Apostle Paul lists some of the most gross sins imaginable as part of what he calls the reprobate mind, he includes this sin in verse 30. Children disobeying their parents. Parents, if there's one thing we need to cry out to God for, for wisdom, it's in this day and age providing loving discipline to our children. They languish without it. But that's another message. Back to our phrases. Second phrase, I trust you. Tell your kids you believe in them. Identify their unique talents and express confidence in their God-given abilities. Compliment their accomplishments and show trust in their decision-making abilities. I can still remember this moment as a teenager like it happened yesterday. I can see it in my mind's eye as I close my eyes. I grew up on a family farm in Montana, and one day, while haying in the field, a piece of machinery broke down. It was one of those hair-on-fires, get-her-done-bucky moments, and my dad was just exasperated. He couldn't figure out how to solve the problem, and suddenly he turned to me, and I was standing there behind him. He says, Ben... I can't get this. What do you think? And I was speechless. I couldn't believe that my dad would turn to me in such a critical moment and ask for my opinion. Then what shocked me even more is he went with my idea. And there was no time for any kind of backslapping or complimenting in the heat of that moment. But later that evening at the supper table, dad told mom and my sisters and our hired men how my idea worked. Now, I can't tell you what that did for me. Dad's trust and affirmation that day recorded something in my soul that served me well over the years. And just, it was just one of many moments that enabled me as a pastor to pastor my very first church at the ripe old age of 21. 
People often ask me, how in the world were you able to shoulder that kind of responsibility at such a young age when everyone on the church board could have been your father or your grandfather? (laughs) And without question, it was the sheer grace of God. But part of that grace was having a dad who believed in me and his trust in me as a child while helping him on the family farm as early as the age of five infused in me a confidence as a young man that even the daunting responsibility of shepherding God's flock could not quash. Third phrase, I include you and share my insights with you. Now there are, there are a few things that bond the heart of a child to his father more deeply than a father taking the time and making the effort of taking the risk to transfer his insights to his children, and then trusting his children with those insights. When a father is healthy enough to pass on his wisdom rather than his old childhood pain, he will make an unforgettable impact on his children's hearts. I will never forget as a middle schooler the day my dad said to me as he rode by on an old tractor, Ben, meet me in the barn. I want to teach you how to milk the cow. Me? Milk the cow? Wow, that was amazing. First of all, I was shocked at how difficult it was to milk a cow. (laughs) Dad made it look so easy. I thought my forearms were going to explode, and there was nothing hardly in the bucket. And the cow wasn't very very happy either. I mean, I was pulling and squeezing, and the poor cow was like, what in the world is back there? But milking the cow wasn't what warmed the cockles of my heart. It was that dad passed on to me a time-honored tradition. I would milk the cow, the milk that our family would drink around the dinner table. Or the time he taught me how to tie a quick-release sheep shank knot to hold down the hay on the truck. Or how to tell when the hay had cured in the windrow and was ready to be bailed or how to service an engine or wire an electrical service serve, uh, circuit or plumb a sink or tell if a cow is sick by the moisture on her nose or his vision for the ranch and the risks and the work and the cost that it would take to reach that vision. Hundreds of lessons about life and work that I learned from my dad as we talked for hours on end working side by side in the fields and in the shop. Now, don't get me wrong. My dad was not perfect. He was far from perfect. Like all of us post-Genesis 3, he was at best a mixed bag. And for sure, he left a few scars on my heart that I've had to deal with as an adult. And there weren't 10 things out of 100 that he taught me about ranching and farming that helped me later professionally. But it was the bond that we shared as father and son. In that process of him passing on to me his life insights and his work ethic that forged in me the stuff of what shaped me to be the person and the pastor that I became. Amen. Number four, I empower you. See, one of the realities that encouraged Jesus' heart to accomplish his life mission was the father's love for him. 
And so, dads, it's the tape we create in our child's heart from our love for them that empowers them to accomplish the mission for which God has created them. That is the purpose of your love for them. The question we have to ask is, what are we indeed passing on to our children? Our own childhood pain? Or this irrational, unconditional love that empowers them to become all that God created them to be. Unfortunately, in many cases, what we pass on to our children is a lot of our own fear and a lot of own pain. And that's why we need to add a fifth phrase that is essential to our children's inner tapes. It's a statement the Heavenly Father never had to say to his son but it's something that we need to say regularly to our children. And here it is. I'm sorry. Dads, we are deeply flawed people. We know it. God knows it. But little children don't. Children need to be aware that we are comfortable with our own flaws. They know they aren't perfect. They are well aware of their own flaws. The question is, do they know how to view themselves and to deal with their own flaws by our example? When we never come clean with our own sin, our children are simply unable to process that in their little hearts. And so when we disappoint or confuse or hurt them, what they end up doing is turning that in on themselves they conclude that there's something wrong with them. And not a godly sorrow for their own sin, but a deadly kind of sorrow, a devaluing rejection of themselves as they take responsibility for our sin. And that sense of false guilt in their heart will cause immeasurable damage in their adult lives. And so, Dad, when was the last time you said to your child, I'm sorry? I was careless. I was insensitive. I, I took some, my own frustration out on you, and it had nothing to do with you. And when they said, oh, that's okay, Dad, you came back immediately with, no, it's not okay. And you need to know that. I was out of line. And I'm really sorry. Saying I'm sorry when it's called for, it can become a priceless treasure for our children a powerful tape that will play in their minds for the rest of their lives. Our children will be able to say, my dad was not a perfect man. When he fouled up, he felt terrible about it, and he owned up to it. He said he was sorry, and he meant it. And dad, that model of repentance will help them deal with their own sin like nothing else on earth. That alone will make you an unforgettable father in their own brokenness in a very beautiful and positive way. And remember, dads, it's never too late to say you're sorry. Even if your children are grown, initially you may uncover a great deal of pent-up grief in them and maybe even anger, but absorb that because that expression of grief or anger really verifies how important you are to them. They wouldn't feel anything if they didn't care about you. So let them feel that anger or that grief because it'll be the first step to their own healing and the deepening of their relationships. 
Well, my time is, is almost up, so I just have a final word. First to fathers. Your heavenly Father can enable you to love your children just like he has loved you. God's grace can heal any hole left in your soul from an unloving, distant, or even absent, or even an abusive father or mother in your past. Find in your heavenly Father's love the security and the energy and the example to love your children, whether they're your biological children or your stepchildren or your spiritual children, and it's never too late to get started. By God's grace in Christ, you can be an unforgettable father, grandfather, mother, grandmother, mentor, teacher, leader. Final word to children. Your heavenly Father can enable you to overcome any shortcoming in your earthly father. If your father has failed you, certainly that can be a loss on this side of heaven that may not on some levels be made right. But by God's grace, your father in heaven can fill the holes in your soul and heal those wounds of all that loss. If you need help discovering and enjoying that grace, that's why this church family exists. Through the indwelling presence and the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit, mediating to our hearts the presence and the power of the Heavenly Father and His Son, you and I can be the heart and hands of the triune God in one another's lives. So please get help. God wants you to be free from those painful memories. He wants you to enjoy healthy, authentic relationships And again, this may require professional help from a qualified counselor, but one way or the other, healing is available to you. Please get it. Now, in closing, I would like to ask all the men and all the boys here today to stand. Whether you're a father, a grandfather, a stepfather, a future father, an uncle, a mentor, a teacher, a leader, whether you're married or whether you're single, I want you all to stand. And I want to say this to you. Gentlemen, your father in heaven has fearfully and wonderfully made you. He loves you and cherishes you more than you could possibly know. He has specially designed you as a man to lead out in love, to be the initiators of love in people's lives. And in Christ, you have everything you need to be unforgettably good men and unforgettably good fathers. Amen.